0: Hi everybody and welcome to Chats Over Chai with me, Nathan Grills, a Professor of Global Health at the University of Melbourne and the Australian India Institute. I want to start by acknowledging that we're on the lands of the Wurundjeri people who have been the custodians of this land for thousands of years and I acknowledge and pay my respects to their elders past and present. Chats Over Chai is our new podcast series as part of our launch of India Matters celebrating 75 years of India's independence. So today's podcast we're going to be unpacking a story of um, a person from indian diaspora here in australia it's a, a story of a famous indian artist who migrated to australia in the 1970s and to help us explore and tell us more about this journey it's a pleasure to have professor michael wesley here today who is the son of this artist uh, called frank wesley so michael it, you also happen to be my boss at the at the university of melbourne the deputy vice chancellor International. So it would be great to just explore a bit more about uh, your father's journey and his artwork. So welcome, Michael. Thanks, Nathan. I've worked in uh, disability and health and development in North India now since 2004, uh, mostly with the University of Melbourne. Uh, Over that time, I've collaborated with a large eminent international school called Woodstock International School. And uh, Woodstock students have been impacted uh, through our disability work in India, and they've engaged in our program. So I was fascinated when Michael started his job as a deputy vice chancellor international, that actually he'd grown up there for his early, well, his early years in his life, and that his father was Frank Wesley, who was an art teacher at Woodstock School. But over the coming years, I uncovered more of uh, quite an enchanting story about about your father, Michael Frank Wesley. And I've come across his artwork now in Missouri at, at both the school and the hospital I'm attached to in that Missouri area of North India. And many staff and alumni at the school Uh, still talk about uh, Frank's work and a number of the alumni talk about the impact that quite a profound impact that Frank had on on their lives so Michael I want to start just to ask you I'll come back to more to uh, Frank's life in a minute but to ask you to start by asking you to summarize what made uh, Frank uh, such a a famous or well-known artist in India Uh,
1: thanks Nathan and and delighted to be um, contributing to Chats Over Chai in fact I've just been listening to a podcast on an entirely different um, subject, a Chats Over Chai uh, podcast, and found it very informative. Um, I think really the thing that set my father aside from other artists was uh, that he was um, a Christian artist. His family was an Indian Christian family, and uh, he was brought up a Methodist um, uh, in, um, in the town of Azamgarh in uh, UP in North mm. Central India. Um, and uh, I mean, it became very clear that he was going to be an artist from a very early age. And he uh, attended the art school in Lucknow, which was um, a, a famous art school for that part of India, uh, particularly famous for uh, its, uh, its carrying on of the tradition of, of Persian inspired Mughal art. Um, mm-hmm. Lucknow having been part of a of a of a Shiite kingdom mm. uh, before the British arrived. So Dad uh, went to Lucknow's uh, art school, and um, he was the only Christian uh, in uh, in the class, and in fact, he used to tell the story that he uh, used to have to uh, eat his meals uh, on his own because the uh, communal eating rules uh, precluded him from eating with others. Mm. Um, but uh, he had, uh, uh, a particularly um, uh, talented mentor um, and teacher uh, with whom he studied, and um, and really what distinguished Dad as he began to paint uh, was that he had a he uh, started to paint Christian themes, but using um, Indian symbology, he would use uh, Hindu, Buddhist, uh, and Muslim symbology uh, in. His artworks. Um, uh, this uh, was seen as uh, outrageous by some Christian communities. They thought it was introducing paganism into uh, into Christian um, into the Christian religion. Uh, but I think it was seen as uh, intriguing by others. And uh, as Dad repeatedly said um, uh, in uh, the course of his life, uh, seeing uh, depictions of Jesus as a blonde-haired, blue-eyed, uh, white-skinned European person uh, was, uh, as, was even less authentic in his view uh, than when he painted uh, Jesus as a dark-skinned person. And, of course, um, in Dad's view, Jesus would have been a dark-skinned person having uh, been from, um, from Palestine. Hmm.
0: Oh, that's fascinating, Michael. And he became quite famous, I guess, in some of his uh, well-known artworks. Uh, I know that the, the Blue Madonna was used as one of the, the first UNICEF Christmas cards and probably his most famous one was perhaps the, the urn, you know, the other he designed the urn for Mahatma Gandhi, for uh, the ashes of Mahatma Gandhi, the father of the Indian nation. Do you know much about that, that story?
1: Not a lot, only that uh, I believe he was still at art school um, when there was a national competition uh, after Gandhi was murdered And there was a national competition to design the urn, um, which Dad won. Um, uh, But I I know very little else uh, about it. And in fact, uh, it's one of the things that I greatly regret not asking him more about.
0: Yes, it's obviously quite an honour to have that that role. Uh, Michael, probably your earliest memories of your life are in Missouri. Uh, Your family immigrated in the early 1970s. And I, I think we were just saying that's 50 years ago. And uh, we'll be returning to India 50 years later as part of University of Melbourne delegation. And we'll be visiting uh, Woodstock School and we're doing some some talks there and engaging with the school, both in the research space, but also in um, the student recruitment space as well. So it'll be quite a a pilgrimage of sorts, I guess. But what are your earliest memories of your time in Missouri? Um, I remember
1: the mountains. Uh, We had a a lovely house that we stayed in. We didn't own it, we rented it. and uh, the outlook from uh, the living room window, Nathan, was very similar to the backdrop that is behind you, um, a, a beautiful uh, vista of mountains. And one of my earliest memories is um, that there was a relatively um, twisted gnarled uh, pine tree uh, that uh, was down the slope from where we lived. And I remember uh, when winter set in and, and the snows were heavy, sometimes you would look down um, at the pine tree in the twilight and there would be a snow leopard uh, wow. in, the, in the pine tree. Um, so I, I, remember, I remember the mountains very clearly. I remember walking uh, up and down the very steep paths in Missouri. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the school quite vividly, particularly the sports days. And one of, one of my uh, clearest memories is um, uh, my parents going out and uh, our babysitter coming to look after my sister and I. And I remember the windows had blackout um, uh, sheets of black paper in them. It must have been the time of the 1971 Indo-Pakistan War. Yeah, right. And, uh, and I, I, I hope I'm not uh, imagining this, but I think we could even hear the bombers droning overhead. So that was quite a dramatic early memory.
0: Wow. I know, I know, that, know that area very well, uh, Michael, and that what you describe of climbing those mountains up and down is, is very familiar to me. And Michael's referring to my, my Zoom virtual background, which is a, a picture of uh, looking out from Missouri, from the place where I stay in Missouri, which is very, very near where you would have stayed. Michael I think we hope to visit where you stayed as part of your visit when you come to um, Missouri. Wonderful. How did I mean obviously a lot's written about Frank's life I think probably on the Indian side um, more so perhaps than what happened after you came to Australia as as a family. So you came in the 1970s Um, what was that like coming to Australia at that time And, and what did Frank do after he arrived in Australia?
1: Oh, well, it was, it was challenging, to say the least, Nathan. Um, we, uh, even though my mother had been, uh, w- was Australian, um, we actually had to wait for uh, the final um, dismantling of, of the White Australia policy before we could apply and, and, and arrive in Australia. Um, uh, for reasons that I still don't quite fathom, they, my parents decided that country Queensland would be a good place for uh, a Eurasian family in the early 1970s to settle. Um, uh, The place we settled in was a little town called Nambour, which was a very conservative, very, very white place. Uh, And so um, I think there was, uh, you know, we we faced some real challenges. Um, The only other non-white people in my sister and my school were the Indigenous kids. Mm. And, um, and uh, I think both of us forged really strong um, friendships with uh, Indigenous classmates uh, because we often found ourselves um, on, the, on the receiving end of uh, less than charitable attitudes. Mm. In fact, my, my closest friend at school was a, was a Torres Strait Islander and, uh, and, a, and a very, very close friend of mine. So it was a challenge, um, but uh, but Dad started to uh, t- to paint. He would paint both Indian scenes and also um, Australian scenes as well. Um, the area around Nambour uh, is very beautiful, and uh, also he uh, he loved the Australian outback, the starkness of the Australian outback. He was predominantly a watercolorist. And, um, and he, was, uh, he was prolific. And so within uh, a couple of years of us arriving, uh, dad was selling enough paintings to the local community uh, to support the family, which is a remarkable achievement and, and shows a deeper level of acceptance among the local community than, uh, than some of our experiences at school and elsewhere.
0: That's that's very fascinating. Did, was there a reason why they chose Nambo? Was there a community there they were linked to, or no? In fact,
1: um, uh, we had uh, uh, a couple of Australian friends who we had, well, mum and dad had known in India, and uh, they they wrote to to them, they two separate letters, and said they wanted to live somewhere that was warm. Um, they didn't want to live in a big city, but not too far away from a big city, and they wanted somewhere with um, a, a good school and a good hospital. And um, and both friends, unbeknownst to each other, wrote back and said, you should go to Nambour.
0: Really? Wow. <laughs> was it part of the reason he left India? Was it because it was too cold? I mean, Missouri is a freezing place right now. And I was there last week. Um, and they're after warm weather for his health. Is that part of the reason they left India?
1: No, it was basically, I think, because Australia was seen as as a place that would provide Greater opportunities for my sister and I, and uh, and really um, the, the the thought of uh, you know struggling through the Indian schooling system uh, was something uh, on a on an artist's or an art teacher's salary was was not something that they they regarded as being um, ideal for us. So it was really for for my sister and my benefit, I think.
0: Okay, you, you mentioned your mother a few times there. Uh, I don't know anything about her at all, Michael, but do you want to tell us a bit more about her and how she coped with the transition and, and did she have influence on your father's art in any way, do you think?
1: Yeah, look, uh, my fa- my mother was a remarkable woman. She grew up in a small um, uh, rural community in South Australia in the Adelaide Hills. Uh, she grew up on a dairy farm and it was expected that she would leave school mm. at um, 14 or 15 and and uh, return home and, and and help her mother run the household until she married a, a local farming boy. And my mother was a bit of a rebellious soul. She refused to do that and insisted that she wanted to study nursing. Uh, and so she did her nursing uh, training at the Royal Adelaide Hospital. And then in 1960, she uh, went off to India um, as um, a, a nurse uh, to a Christian hospital in Azamgo. Mm. uh the the place where my father was was born and grew up mm. uh, and you know the, the, going to asgar in the ni- in 1960 would have been like going to the moon today yeah you know you she had to sail there the mail was infrequent of course
0: yeah.
1: um she got sick repeatedly but she really fell in love with the country and um and uh met my father there when he came back from his um, art studies in the united states. And uh, and and they were married in 1965. And um, and really, she never lost her love of India, um, even when we'd moved back to Australia, she uh, yearned strongly for India. And uh, and they, mum and dad, went back regularly.
0: Oh, okay. And did did her did she have much influence over over Frank's art? Do you think, anyway, or not really?
1: <laughs> not really. I think they were. I think where they they really shared. Uh, a meeting of minds was that they were both very religious people um and so their their kind of religious faith and their religious study was something that informed them both but i think was something that obviously informed dad's art as well
0: mm. you mentioned that a few times as far as his his christian faith and he was a you know your parents were of strong christian faith what did his faith mean to him in his later years in australia were you involved in a community of faith in that number region or
1: yeah, look, they, they were um, uh, they, uh, you know, were somewhat idiosyncratic in that uh, they weren't regular churchgoers, but they had a broad faith community that uh, incorporated um, really all variants of of the Christian religion. Um, some of their closest friends included Catholic priests and uh, and Lutheran pastors. Um, and uh, and and you know um, priests in the Anglican church so they weren't um, they weren't sort of confined to one particular um, sort of uh, you know uh, strand of christianity um, dad unfortunately uh, uh, contracted parkinson's disease towards okay. the end of his life um, and, and it meant uh, that really he couldn't paint towards the end of his life i think that was something that really had started to shake his faith um you know that that uh, his great his great love in life and his great talent had been uh you know taken away by this terrible disease
0: mm. that must have been hard for the family as well i'm sure uh, was his artwork ever picked up as much as it was in india i mean was there any impact that he had at a national level or was it recognized in australia any other way
1: in Australia, um, I, I would say that knowledge of his art was fairly localised. One of the things about Dad was that he refused uh, to play the game of, you know, uh, becoming a big name in art. Um, he uh, he consistently turned down um, offers by galleries to, to stage major exhibitions in the capital cities. He preferred Uh, each year to have an annual show in the local Nambour Anglican Hall. Mm. Um, Most of those art shows um, at which there would be probably close to 100 paintings displayed would sell out and sell out very quickly. Mm. Um, He's probably much better known in India, the United States, and Japan than he is Mm. here in Australia. Mm. Um, I would say that probably the country that he is known best in is probably the United States.
0: Mm. Maybe this podcast will help uh, people know about his legacy, more so in Australia. Uh, But he obviously impacted many people and that was the recurrent theme I get when I speaking to people in India, a lot of the alumni who were influenced by him quite significantly. Um, I want to ask for you personally, what was your dad's greatest impact or lasting legacy on you as a person?
1: Gee, that's a tough one, uh, Nathan.
0: What did he teach you? Yeah, it's a hard one, maybe more time to reflect on it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think the enduring um, sort of fascination that I that I picked up from Dad was his love of reading, his love of literature. Mm. Um, Dad uh, was a great reader of literature, um, of, uh, of you know, both Indian and uh, Western literature. Um, and some of our most passionate discussions around the dinner table as a family would be over particular books, particularly as my sister and I, Um, got into high school and began to read uh, you know more um, more classical you know uh, classics of literature Um, it was increasingly hard to find books that you know really good books that dad and mum hadn't read and so we would have quite passionate discussions about that and I think probably if there's anything that influenced me in becoming an academic was that love of reading and the uh, I'm still an obsessive reader and read a lot of books. Um, mm. And I, I think that's probably dad's enduring legacy with me.
0: Mm. Yeah. And you went into international relations, Michael and your professor of international relations. What did your father think about that career choice? Oh,
1: look, he was, um, I, I think he was quite comfortable with that. I mean, that that would have been the other thing. Dad was a Um, avid follower of current affairs, Um, and I remember from a very early age, uh, Dad subscribed to Time magazine. So Mm. I think I I picked up uh, a fascination with current affairs through uh, reading uh, his Time magazines. Um, And I certainly remember the events of the 1970s and 1980s through Mm. the pages of Time magazine. And I I think that's probably what drew me towards international uh, relations.
0: Well, Michael, I hope that love of India has also uh, been maintained. I think that it has. And I'm excited to be accompanying you on return to India. I think it's been been there a number of times in the last few years, I know. But it'd be great to go back to Missouri and and rediscover. Well, for for me, it'll be a journey of discovery of your time there and and Frank's uh, work. But I think it'd be lovely to be able to head back there. How do you feel about going back to Missouri after, is it 40 years since you were there last?
1: That's right. Oh, incredibly excited um uh and and just so looking forward to it and uh i know that it's going to you know go go past so quickly and we've got a a big delegation um for two weeks after that so uh i'm going to savor it nathan i i'm deeply appreciative to you of, for encouraging me uh to do that and uh i've already said to um uh, my wife and my sister and her husband that ma- maybe it will be the prelude to a to a holiday back there and uh, a bit more of a, a relaxed and considered uh, uh, return to, to Missouri.
0: Yeah, it will be a very busy few days that we are there, Michael, where uh, it's my research field. So I'm taking Michael out to uh, do a number of research activities in the, in the rural area in the foothills of the Himalayas, which should be a great experience. And I think I've got four, four talks for you organized on international relations and uh, student recruitment and 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 the area of artwork and, and your father's legacy as well. So. Uh, it'll it be a holiday of sorts but I'm sure we will be very busy and I hope we can get you back there a more relaxing time in the future Absolutely Michael thank you for these fascinating insights and um, we'll make further material available uh, about Frank Wesley and his artwork and his, his legacy on the website, we really appreciate your time and wish you all the best for your journey back uh, you're back back in time and back to India uh, in the next few weeks
1: My pleasure Nathan, thanks so much enjoyed it very much
0: Thank you Michael